KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us here on a Tuesday recap. A decent Monday in sports, all things considered. And uh, take a look at some uh, topics that are percolating. One, maybe more so than the other in the fine state of Iowa. And that's the fact that sports wagering took another step forward yesterday. We will get into that here very quickly, right off the bat. We are packed today. The uh, sports wagering thing kind of came out of nowhere after the show was set, so we've squeezed Brian Arilko in. Not really. We're making room for him. It's, a, it's the biggest topic of the day. No offense to anything else we're going to talk, in my opinion. Looking forward to the Wilds playoff game tonight, uh, etc. But um, the sports wagering thing is local, and that's where we will spend the, at least the beginning of the program here today. Brian Arilko, the administrator for the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. If you have a question on sports and you don't think these two knuckleheads that have this show, Trent or myself, <laughs> are going to be bright enough to ask your question, please feel free to tweet the uh, the show at Miller and Condon, or you can, if you follow either one of us, at Tread Condon, or I'm uh, at I'm Ken Miller, uh, reach out to us. We'd be happy to do so, but you better do so quickly, as Brian's going to join us in about 10 minutes with the very latest, where we stand, what steps still have to be uh, passed over to get to the point where uh, casinos in the state of Iowa, there are 19 of them, well, they all offer it. I don't know why they wouldn't, but, well, that's one of the questions we'll ask. But Brian and Rilko coming up very quickly. The voice of the Iowa Wild, of course, they play here. They will play downtown Des Moines tonight. Wells Fargo, Trent, I'm glad you mentioned Des Moines as hockey town as the Bucks have a playoff game in their yeah. own right. And they deserve some love on the program, and we'll certainly get that before we get out of here at noon. But Joe O'Donnell at 12.25, Game 2 of their Calder Cup first-round series goes tonight. Puck drop at 7. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. We're going to get into the draft and kind of expand out the four-team footprint. As we said yesterday, the Packers are in the spotlight today. Dave Sinekin, headcheese.com. He's got his mock draft up. He thinks he's got a pretty good handle on how the Packers are going to attack Thursday, all things being equal. So Sinny will join us about 11. And then our regular Tuesday guest, Zubin Mahente at 11.20 from ESPN Sports Center. We will go around the world of sports. But Trent Condon, when you saw the news last night, I know it's something that uh, you've been looking forward to. You're finally going to be able to bet legally instead of breaking the laws you do on a nightly basis yeah that's that's not good <laughs> and you're not alone yeah, i mean i don't alone. but there's a lot of people that do i'm mm-hmm. prevented from doing so um so anyway i'm not holier than thou that's not where i'm going you know <laughs> Look i have you my vices on mount pious yeah, right there. uh but that's not one of them anyways uh, i think it's good news it's something that we certainly uh, expected to see i was i was glad to see that the um and I, her last name starts with W, the politician from Clinton mm-hmm. who wanted to put the convenience fee stipulation into the bill before she voted yes. Well, it's not in there, and she voted yes because I looked at the uh, who voted, the what was it, 6331. 67-31. That's what it was. It was. Yep. Okay. Um, but she was on the yay, uh, so good for her for doing that. But um, it's good news, Trenton. It's coming, and maybe as soon as July the 4th. Yeah, that's uh, the date that was on the bill and, and talk of independence and being able to do things well put uh absolutely love that part of it yeah i I gotta hop in my step today i'm not gonna lie i'm so excited about this and it's 
Look, it's not that I all of a sudden think that I'm going to come into this cash. Or you have an edge because you've been sports wagering right, right. for, you know. I've been, I've been gambling for a long time and doing it poorly for right. a long time. But I have fun with it. As sure. I've told you before, I look at it as an entertainment tax. Mm-hmm. I don't go out anymore. I, I don't go out and have a couple of beers after work on the way home. It just It's not the way that things are in my life today. But this is something that keeps me engaged, keeps me interested, and really for what we do, I think makes me better in this role. I couldn't agree with you more. Because I watch more games. Yep. I look at games in a different kind of fashion. I think people also enjoy that part of it, too, and, and taking a different look. I like X's and O's. I, I like talking about the actual game, but then I like to take a look at the numbers inside of the game and try to find an edge. Uh-huh. Look, long term, they're out of the population that is listening. There is a very, very small percentage that this is going to make them money, that they're going to turn in and become a, not even a pro, but even a, a side gig, if you will, mm-hmm. and be able to carve out just a little bit of profitability. 52.4%. That's all you what you need. have to hit. 52.4%. <laughs> Doesn't sound like much, does it? No. With the edge that Anybody the house Anybody can do this. Yeah, lay minus 110. You're fine. Yeah. You're not going to be fine. Not in the long run, you won't. Not in the long run, you won't. I've noticed my Twitter feed uh, over the last couple of um, weeks has expanded with the number of followers. Not that I have a lot, uh, but the, the seemingly the recent ones I've picked up, and I know that they've also followed you, seemingly be seem to be Twitter accounts that are... Uh, sports wagering um, targeted, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's Iowa sports betting, I think, is one of them. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of touts that have found us. So that's going to be the other thing, right? Is, is touts are going to start coming in. They're going to start advertising their unbeaten streak. And if you want to win money, you're going to have to go with me. And that's a whole other aspect of this. Right. And I would just say buyer beware. Yes. Um, buyer beware on this. Um, but um, it, There are here. guys that are that can do it. There very guys, few. Very few. Yep. Be careful. Mm-hmm. And and the prices that go along with it, I mean, sometimes you're talking thousands of dollars. For packages. Yeah, Google Vegas Dave. There's a good one. Yes, Vegas Dave. Yeah. He was one of the stars of the, not stars, in a, in a, in a bad way, one of the, he was a, he was one of the focal points of uh, of action, that show that we talked about on Showtime that ended a couple of weeks ago, the four-part uh, part series. Um, but it's, it's a really good watch. Well, it's here and it's... Uh, well, it's not here yet, but it seemingly gets closer every single day. Brian and Rilko in about five minutes with the very latest on where we stand, what hurdles still have to be crossed, and I guess the biggest one is clearly the governor's signature. I don't see her standing in the way of this. I just don't. She's been very, at least as far as what I've been able to ascertain to this point, very noncommittal, um, but she's going to sign. Yeah, you know, going back to when she was campaigning, she did say that she believed that regulated sports wagering is something that should happen now as this has been proposed and after we had the overturn a year ago of the law opening this up for mm-hmm. the state. PASPA, yep. She has not talked about it that publicly, but from everything that you hear, we talked to the people down the hall at WHO, the news people, they all believe that, yes, this is going to be something that is going to be signed off, and mm-hmm. she has three days to sign off on it. It can be extended if need be. It doesn't look like it will have to be since this was one of the first bills that has actually been passed through. There'll be more that will come on her desk some of those might have to be stretched out, but this one, because it's going to get to her desk early enough in this session that ends a week from Friday, looks like we got three days here, signed off, and then, oh, the casinos. Mm. They're 
The ones that haven't set up. We talked about Prairie Meadows. Yeah, set up. I hear Riverside is very close, and they're ready to flip the switch. Of course, they're in the eastern part of the state. Yep. I would assume Wild Rose is going to be, um, you know, if, if they don't open on, I'm, they'll be ready. They're go, everybody's that I would think that wants to get involved right off the bat is going to be ready when the switch is flipped. I'll mm-hmm. say this, and we talked about this yesterday, and, and I think it's going to be a very, very uh, valid point here. I'm going to encourage people to shop around. I know you will. Mm-hmm. You'll have yes. an account at Wild Rose. You'll have an account at Prairie. Mm-hmm. Because the, the point spreads are going to disproportionately um, have Iowa and Iowa State money. That's just, mm-hmm. the, that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, the, the, they are the two needle movers here. And you're going to get you know people that are betting with their heart. You know, I, I'm not betting against Iowa State. I'm not betting against Iowa. I love my school. Um, and the numbers are going to be different here for that very reason than they are in Las Vegas. And they might be, you know, as we said yesterday, Riverside might be disproportionately Hawkeye money. Wild Rose Casino Jefferson might be disproportionate <laughs> Iowa State money because it's the closest uh, sports wagering facility to the campus, at least to begin, because you're going to have to go there. You're going to have to sign up for your account, verify who you are, show your identification. You have, if you have I, one. No, if you have one, right. I couldn't get an account today, uh, but uh, that's another story. All right, Brian Arilco here momentarily. We'll get Brian in here, get the very latest on that. Looking forward to talking to Joe O'Donnell today. The Wild just absolutely crushed uh, in game one against Milwaukee on Sunday. Seven zip as the Hamburglar Andrew Hammond pitches a shutout yesterday. Get good goaltending, good goal scoring. Uh, that is usually a recipe for good hockey, and uh, we'll see if the Wild can get on the bus. Us, uh, up to nothing in their series tonight. It's a best of five, and the f- final three games will be played on the road. So this may be the last game of the year at Wells Fargo. It also might be the last game of the year uh, at Buccaneer Arena, as the Bucks are up against it. They're down two nothing in their series against Tri City. It's look, it's great that there's hockey is such a thing here in Des Moines and Central Iowa today. It's just unfortunate that hockey fans are going to have to choose. You know, do I want to go watch the kids? Uh, at, at Buccaneer Arena, or do I want to you know, watch the pros uh, down at Wells Fargo Arena? Uh, but there's hockey and uh, in, in both venues tonight, playoff hockey. Let's get Brian Arilko in here. Brian is the administrator for the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission, a go-to guy, and in full disclosure, a guy that uh, him and I spent a few years working together at PRM. Hello, Brian Arilko, Ken and Trent. How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, guys? Doing pretty well. Well, uh, did your life get a whole lot more hectic with that announcement yesterday? Because seemingly, Brian, uh, once the governor signs this, the rules process begins in earnest. Is that the next step for you uh, and the uh, Gaming Commission is to go uh, headlong into the rule process? Yeah, it will be. that. You know, these are truly historical times in Iowa gaming. Um, no different than when racetracks were uh, permitted or riverboats and uh, gambling games at racetracks. This is a, a, a major step um, in the uh, Iowa gaming world. And for us, um, um, uh, if the governor signs the bill, it will be um, uh, busy times. We're going to focus on rule writing. Uh, at the same time, there will be uh, a, a mad dash to get uh, companies licensed. Right. So both of those things will need to happen um, before uh, wagers will be accepted. Um, but uh, the commission's uh, been preparing for this and and steps have, are, are in place to uh, move this uh, ex, uh, as, as quickly as we can, but, but doing it the right way. One of the things that uh, I have heard and read from some 
insiders inside the wagering world is that the Iowa bill was a very clean bill. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of extras put in there, not a whole lot of hurdlers for the, the gamblers that, that want to bet on sports. Is that something that, that was important to you and everybody that was involved as a whole, making this almost as simple as possible for everybody to get it started? Yeah, absolutely. It became pretty clear uh, early on in the process that the folks that uh, were sponsoring the bill uh, in both the House and the Senate uh, were very familiar with sports wagering. They've done their research, their homework. From the commission's standpoint, um, the commission didn't have a position with respect to the policy. Uh, The only ask was that if the commission was tasked with regulating this, that they had the tools necessary to do so. And and both bills um, that uh, were debated and you know and eventually they they settled on one bill um it did that and and there are a number um uh, of of requirements and 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 just other things uh, that will allow the commission to do their job in addition to that um there the regs uh, with uh, in the statute are flexible and so that also is important when you're dealing with anything new. And, and so the framework is, is in the legislation. Uh, the framework is needed. But uh, as things evolve, uh, there is some flexibility and, and the commission will be able to um, to uh, make changes as and if the need arises. Uh, Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission is our guest. Brian, there's uh, the, the date July the 4th is getting tossed around a lot, that that would be you know seemingly a day that makes a lot of sense, Independence Day. Now uh, bettors have the independence to bet in the state that they reside and not have to go offshore to make their wagers. Is, is that optimistic or, or realistic, I guess, the, the better way to put it, that July the 4th could happen? Or is it more likely maybe to, you know, to float back into August? What would you say is the most likely, um, you know, the, fl- the switch is flipped and we're good to go? Is July 4th optimistic? And July 4th is uh, uh, really optimistic. Uh, that is the date, one of the dates that's in the bill. Uh, July 4th was uh, mentioned. Uh, was also mentioned, uh, though, um, when um, rules uh, could be uh, adopted through the emergency process. And so, you know, the commission will do everything they can to um, to go through the the rule uh, rule writing process, and and you know, public will still need to have some time to input and the stakeholders. Um, but you know, I, I don't think um, if that July fourth date isn't isn't met. Uh, I can't imagine um, it would be, you know, too far off. I think okay. all along um, it, it just seemed like it made sense to uh, attempt to take wagers prior to football season. Mm-hmm. I, it just didn't seem like that would be a very smart thing to do. Uh, if that's what has to happen, it will. But I, I think um, if if everything uh, is done the way we think it will be done, um, you know, maybe maybe August is a is a reasonable uh, time frame. August, that's what I, I was always thinking, and and well, hopefully sooner, of course, uh, from my side of things. But you know, Brian, what else needs to be done? You mentioned, of course, Governor Reynolds does have to sign the bill. Uh, after that, though, what else still needs to? What steps are still there before we're able to get out there and, and get to a casino and place that sports bet? 
So, you know, we talked about the things the commission has to do, but there are a number of things that the casino, uh, uh, the casino entities will, will need to do as well. And um, at this point in time, um, most of the casinos in Iowa are not equipped to offer uh, an online um, sports book uh, or really uh, a brick-and-mortar one. And so uh, some of the operators have entered into agreements. Uh, we will most likely see all of them. Um, enter into agreements unless it's a you know a big company that's already operating in other jurisdictions and so we'll start seeing um, agreements taking place between Iowa casinos and sports operators we'll also start seeing facilities taking shape and so if if uh, if you go into a facility uh, your your favorite casino I think it's reasonable uh, to to expect that there may be some construction uh, going on mm-hmm. in some part of that facility. And so those are things that the casinos will need to do. Uh, they will also need to hire uh, people that are able to, to, to uh, manage and operate their sports books. So in addition to um, just um, the, this, you know, this new uh, activity, you know, I think there will also be uh, uh, some, you know, a shot in the arm in terms of, uh, uh, capital into these properties and new jobs that are being created. And so those are things that I think a lot of people um, are excited about. Hmm. Brian Arilko is our guest. Uh, Brian, what about the online aspect? And then I want to get into the, uh, the Iowa and Iowa State thing that, um, and maybe that's more of a fantasy sports question for you, but the online aspect of this. So let me see if I've got this straight. Once we, and I, and I'm like you, I think it, August is more realistic than July the 4th. You kind of, um, you know, reference that that's probably, you know, more so than not going to happen that it would be an August. August, but we're hoping for July the 4th. But the online aspect, so you'd have to go in person, sign up for your account, verify who you are, and once you go and sign up once, are you then good to go um, through that, whoever that company, that sports wagering company is? That's correct. So it's a, a one-time uh, thing that will need to take place uh, until January 1st of 2021. So prior to that date, if someone wants to establish an online account, they will have to go in uh, to their facility and and establish that account. Once the account is established, uh, the account uh, could be funded remotely. So so there would not be a need to go back into that casino. And so, in some respect, it establishes some some market uh, some some markets for those casinos, and um, and so uh, you know everyone has. Um, approximately 18 months to to really um, uh, uh, get their customer base uh, but customers could go to multiple casinos mm-hmm. and and register and have you know multiple accounts that way through that date uh, I, I will say uh, it um, and we're still trying to get our arms around everything within the fantasy sports portion yep. of the bill but it doesn't appear that that requirement uh, and, and that would make sense because th- th- there is no need to partner with the casino from the from the fantasy sports side. So I think that will be handled differently. But for for traditional sports wagering, uh, they will need to go register uh, with a with a casino. What happens after January after two thousand twenty one? So then, after two thousand twenty one, then accounts could be established uh, re- uh, remotely, and so you don't have to go. Uh, Okay. You don't have to go. No, you would not have to go, and 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 the vetting process would be no different than 
um, the, uh, how someone is is identified through their online banking app or, gotcha. or any other uh, method. And so that's that's uh, how we would handle it. So I know there's uh, an amendment that was put in on daily fantasy sports as it pertains to college uh, games and and players and things of the like. Is that something, I, I think I saw something until May of 2020 that that one is in effect. Do you know the reasoning behind that, Brian? Uh, I don't know the exact reasoning. I think the, um, uh, you know, what I'm hearing is it's, it's just an opportunity for uh, lawmakers and everyone else to evaluate and determine um, if there could be any problems uh, with, um, uh, that uh, that might trickle into the into the Iowa collegiate sports, and I think you know if, if you think about it, the fantasy sports it's it's dependent on individual performances, and so mm-hmm. that is consistent with the prohibition on the sports side right. that um, does not allow for in play wagers on individual. Uh, uh, performances you know for those prop bets and so, head to head like purdy versus stanley most yards yep. during the cyhawk game that's out correct we won't be that's able to correct. do that that's correct and so i think when you look at this fantasy sports prohibition on college sports it's similar and consistent to that uh brian Arilco, Iowa racing and gaming commission brian last thing will the stakeholders see that as the you know the, the one i know now is william hill has a relationship with prairie will they be involved in writing the rules will you guys ask for input from you know the companies that uh, have done this it states throughout well nine states now once iowa comes will they have a a say in the writing of the rules yeah they will and that that's the smart uh, approach is to get information from any and all sources. And so there are a number of operators that are uh, uh, already operating in other jurisdictions. Uh-huh. And there are things that are working well, and there are things that aren't working well. And and we won't necessarily accept you know every single comment or suggestion that comes our way we have to make our own decisions uh, and 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 based on the the information that's available but but we will uh, reach out to uh, stakeholders we'll reach out to the public we're going to reach out to other jurisdictions uh, other regulators um and and that's going to be part of the process and quite frankly that's already happened gotcha. and so and so it's you know it's just now getting all of those uh, things that we've gathered and, and you know put them into a rule format. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this, Brian, and I won't hold you to this, but again, I'm just trying to get some a better of ideas when we're going to be ready to go here. August is more likely than July. Fair to say? Yeah, I think that is fair to say, and and, and we have to remember this all contingent on the, on the bill being signed, sure. but I think that is a reasonable time. Brian, thank you, buddy. Good to talk to you. We will talk again, I'm certain of that. All right. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, thank, Trent. Yep, good to talk to you. Brian Arilco, Administrator for the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. So July the 4th, Independence Day. I love the tie. Mm-hmm. Mm, not going to happen. Not going to happen. August is more realistic. You know, who's, who's been telling everybody it's going to happen in August? Guy across the glass from you. 
Well, I've, I've been right on. You're, 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 you're on top of this thing. I'm, I'm digging in deep. You are. You absolutely are. It's uh, it's a wheelhouse for you and I, though. Let's be and honest. it is. Uh, so is hockey. Well, at least for me, uh, the Iowa Wild next, uh, Joe O'Donnell's. It's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword WATER to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to enter to win $1,000 cash. That's WATER to 200-200. Standard. Uh, message and data rate supply. Joel Donald, the voice of the Iowa Wild, uh, who you'll hear tonight, but hopefully you can make it down to Wells Fargo and see the game in person. 7 o'clock puck drop game two. First round series Calder Cup playoffs for your Iowa Wild. O'Donnell next. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News on the draft in 20 minutes. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 K. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Iowa Wild, downtown Des Moines, game two. First round series Calder Cup playoffs goes tonight. This is the final opportunity to see this series anyways, as the next three are in Milwaukee, assuming it goes to a fifth game on uh, uh, on Monday night, but uh, here's hoping it doesn't. Joe O'Donnell is the voice of the Iowa Wild. You can hear the game right here if you can't make it downtown tonight. Joe, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Well, it's a pleasure, fellas. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on. Appreciate it. Well, let's go back to Sunday. Uh, kind of turned into a laugher. Close for 20 minutes, uh, and then the offense got going. Joe, what was behind it? That's a good question, Kenny. Uh, yesterday was a day off for the guys, and I haven't chatted with head coach Tim Army quite yet, but in my estimation, the Wild were just ready to go, and I don't know if the week off hurt the Admirals. I was certainly hoping it would. You said as much. As that sort of bye week was playing itself out, because Milwaukee came in, one of the hottest teams in the league, uh, with a point in 14 straight games, helped them get into a playoff spot, because at that time they were buried. They were seventh in the division, ended up finishing second. So they were on a heck of a run, then they had to sit for a week. Sometimes that can be tough to get back engaged in the game mode. I don't know if they thought it would be easy or what, but after a pretty evenly played first period where both goaltenders were really good and the Wild had a one nothing lead, Iowa's skill and speed took over. There were just backdoor tap-ins and beautiful passing plays, and you start to deflate a group when you're scoring some of those really highlight real goals and you extend the lead to 3 4 nothing, and then from there Milwaukee just seemed to sort of implode. They took too many penalties and, and never really gave themselves a chance. Joe, the fashion of the victory, 7 nothing, just a dominating performance. You love to win the game, obviously, but just because it, it was such a, a whooping that they were able to put on them, does it create that, all right, now we have to control the narrative here, don't get too high, understand it's just one game, you need to win three to move on. Yeah, while Captain Cal O'Reilly said it after the Easter Sunday win that, you know, in the playoffs, you just it doesn't matter how you get it done. Not all the games are going to be like that, and they got to be ready to go tonight. So we'll see if the team really, um, you know, sort of buys that mantra and follows that tonight. Obviously, you're going to get a very desperate Milwaukee team. It's a best of five. You go down two nothing. Doesn't matter where you're playing after that. It's going to be an uphill battle. So I expect a, another sort of playoff style game, and I expect it to be you know, closer than it was on Sunday for sure. Joe, you know what uh, warmed my heart, although I was out of town and followed it from afar? I I think that Central Iowa really embraced playoff hockey. I mean, it's been a while, let's be honest, and this isn't, you know, this isn't rubbing your nose in anything here, but I was glad to see that the media, that the the fan base, they kind of knew that there's another level to this playoff thing, and they embraced it. The fans are awesome, Kenny. Um, To your point, uh, I mean, just... The Boo Birds are out when Milwaukee was just sitting behind its own net, sort of resetting and a line change, and their D-man's back there. Happens 
ten times in a hockey game, every level, every night. Uh, and yet with, you know, six, seven seconds of a Milwaukee player sort of ragging time, waiting for his team to reset behind his own net, the Boo Birds came out. You know, the, the fans were into it. There was a physical element to the game. There was a nastiness and sort of a bad blood element to the game, which told everybody, hey, this, you know, it's here. And, uh, and the fans were ready for it. That was our hardcore fan base on Sunday. The media has been giving us excellent coverage. You guys obviously included our flagship home on KXNO. We can't thank them for the support enough. We're just hoping more people uh, start to get wind that this is going on and want to be a part of it. So tickets for tonight's game, 7 o'clock puck drop, and, of course, here on KXNO. But if you want to get out there, what, about just shy of 5,000 in attendance? You guys have an estimate yet tonight of what you're expecting in the building? I think as of Sunday, just before puck drop, Tuesday, meaning tonight was tracking just a little bit behind it, but uh, that should obviously pick up today with the day of game. We've got dollar hot dogs through the end of the first period. Uh, I, I dare anybody to see if they can crush you know a handful of them <laughs> in, in, in 20 minutes, but it uh, should be a good crowd. I, I think you know obviously we've got sort of that spring weather in the air. People are starting to think about uh, you know playoff hockey. I mean, this is the time of year that Wild fans have been clamoring yep. for for years. Uh, social media has been a buzz. The media coverage has been great, and I know the guys are fired up for for game two tonight. Uh, how uh, how important was Hammond in the first period? Did he keep you guys in it before the offense got going? Well, the thing that was sort of anxious for me from a broadcast perspective is that Troy Grosnick, who started for Milwaukee and was eventually pulled after it became four nothing, he appeared really locked in in the early going. Mm. And I thought, oh man, it might be one of those nights mm-hmm. where you need a bouncer or some traffic in front of deflection. Eventually, the Wild sort of solved him and cracked the code a bit. But it was during that stretch where Grosnick was making great saves in the first to keep it scoreless where you wondered how Hammond would respond at the other end. Uh, he did his part. He was all outstanding. And now, you know, last game of the regular season, first game of the postseason, he hasn't been dented once. I, uh, Ken and I both are subscribers to The Athletic. I saw their Minnesota yeah, Wild great. writer was down here Mike and read Russo. his article. Yeah, he, you have to anticipate with the big club not in the playoffs – you're going to have a lot more people listening, certainly, with it. Does it change at all knowing that a lot of the people that are going to be listening, certainly north of the border here, listening for the guys that, that are down here and, and playing with the squad that got the call, uh, got the shot with the Iowa Wild here late in the year? Yeah, I think it's going to be um, – it's certainly a storyline. And Minnesota was very frank with us you know, internally, if I kind of peel back the curtain a bit, as Minnesota's regular season was winding down. They were very clear to Iowa Wild management, hey, uh, if we don't make it and you guys do, it's going to be the story we tell. Now, that's not Mm -hmm. the story Minnesota fans really want to hear. They'd much rather the Wild be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But from a development standpoint, from a Jordan Greenway, Mm -hmm. Luke Hunt, and Ryan Donato, those three players, as you mentioned, infiltrating down to Iowa and joining the lineup, that's a storyline. Uh, the young draft picks and prospects that are here, that's a storyline, and that's and that's what Minnesota wants to bring their fans right now, that the future is bright here in Iowa. And uh, it was great to see that their staff has come in, their videographers have been here, their beat writer Mike Russo for The Athletic, as you mentioned, uh, and a lot of the Minnesota brass, including owner Craig Leopold, will be here tonight. Oh, so, good. Uh, they'll all be in the house and uh, hoping for another same result. Was there starting to get a little hate on in this series, you think, oh, yeah. for Game 2? Did you feel that yeah. at the end of Game 1? Oh yeah, it was it was uh, early. It was in the first period, okay. um, and I and I expect that to carry over, especially you know games three and then four if necessary, or back to back nights Thursday and Friday in Milwaukee. Series goes that far, you're going to see more of that, and uh, and I don't think the animals are going to like the way they were pushed <laughs> around a little bit. Right. They were a bit undisciplined. 
the Wild kept their cool, but uh, certainly it was a physical and spirited uh, game one. Sounds like a wonderful night out tonight. Joe O'Donnell, puck drop tonight at 7, game two, first round series, Calder Cup playoffs, downtown Des Moines. You wait a long time for playoff hockey, you have got it. Joe, thank you. Uh, we will talk to you throughout the uh, the playoff run. Thanks, bud. All right, thanks, guys. Good to talk to Joe Donald, voice of the Iowa Wild, one of two playoff games in Hockey Town tonight, the other being the Des Moines Buccaneers of the United States Hockey League. They are facing elimination tonight. Yes, the they are. are. 2 nothing lead, though, against this hot Milwaukee team for the Wild. Well, that would be optimum. And then they'd have to find a way to win on. That's right, Trent. Milwaukee's going to have to beat them three times. The series is Thursday, Friday, weekend off, which is strange. Hmm. Uh, then they don't play until Monday night. I'm assuming that is probably a building issue. You would guess so, yeah. yeah so, um, do you know offhand? I should ask Joe where, I, where the they don't. Play? I don't know. Is it the new place? I don't know where I the Bucks know. play. Probably when that's a big so. building. It's a huge building, right? Yep. A beautiful building. Boy, they swept their series right on there. Yeah. Boy, how many did Greek have last night? Forty something. He's awesome. He's incredible. I hope they keep him. Me too. I Absolutely. really do. Yeah. yeah. This is a face of a franchise and. You don't want those guys leaving. No, not at all. You draft them. You want to, you know, be make them your team for the for their career. All right. Well, there's a bunch of guys going to have an opportunity to be part of NFL teams coming up. The first guys will find out their destination on Thursday. Vinny Iyer. Got to ask him about this. Have you? I'm not a Jeopardy guy. I don't watch game shows, right? Yeah, yeah. But I've seen. There's a lot of the guy that's just crushing it on Jeopardy right now is a sports better that he is and he's setting all-time records at Jeopardy and mm-hmm. Vinnie Iyer the reason we bring it up Vinnie Iyer is the only contestant uh, that ever appeared on Jeopardy that Trent and I have on our program on a regular basis he now is the NFL beat writer one of them columnist for the sporting news but I want to get his take on what this Absolutely. dude is doing I watch it as you know every night uh, we DVR it, and that's our that's our you night DVR team. it oh, DVR it that. yep nighttime routine yeah. as uh, after we get finally get the little one down that is that is our time together watching Jeopardy. Do you play against each oh, other? Yeah, I whoop I whoop Tara's yeah, ass. Yeah, every not very good at it. No, uh, she doesn't like <laughs> she doesn't like what I try to brag about how good I am at Jeopardy. I've tried to take the online quiz. You it's get tough. 50, you get fifty questions. It's timed. Yeah. Ten seconds to answer each question. Oh, you were kicking the tires on maybe throwing your oh, head absolutely. into the ring. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- yeah. this has been a dream of mine. I am not nearly smart enough. It, this During a course of a game, I can get... Topics are good. I can probably get about half, maybe mm-hmm. sometimes 60%. Mm-hmm. This online quiz, I've taken it three different times now. The best that I did that I felt confident, I maybe got 10 of the 50 questions. That bad, I mean, huh? it, it is that difficult. Huh. And... People will say Ken Jennings, the... Yeah, he's the guy, right? right. He's yes. the record the holder. Old, yeah, 74 yeah. days in a row that he won. He says that pretty much every contestant there knows the answer to every question. Huh. It is the clicker. Yeah. And this guy, he's good with the clicker. Boy, he's, he really is. And he's a professional sports way better as well. And he is cleaning up. Vinny Iyer on the NFL Draft. That's coming up next. Dave Sinekin, we're going to take a look at one of the air quote four local teams. Yesterday was the Chiefs. Uh, today is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, tomorrow, I believe, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I look forward to that. Your Bears might get the short shrift here. Trent pushed to Thursday. They don't have a pick. They don't have a pick. We could even save them. We could. We, we might. Uh, because the um, coordinators, the Hawkeye coordinators, are meeting today. Ference, when did Doc say Friday? Friday. I was hoping to maybe get over if it was like an afternoon availability and open practice yeah. for the media. It's 5.30, though, Friday night. Well, get over there, 7.30. Well, get out. Take one Get for the home. team, big fella. Oh, well, no, I, my wife's going out of town all next week. Ah. So. 
probably not going to I, I, I brought it up. Listen to me. Take one for the team. Shot down quickly. <laughs> yeah, I bet. All right, we'll come back. Uh, Vinny Iyer, Sporting News, NFL Draft Conversation next. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 14... 14- Number one podcaster. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Well done, Trent Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As we mentioned, Vinny Iyer, our only guest that has ever appeared on Jeopardy. Vinny is a Northwestern grad. Want to get his take on what we're seeing on Jeopardy as this dude, the sports better, is on a historical run. Vinny, Trent, and Ken in Des Moines, you heard the music bringing you aboard. What do you think of this dude, what he's been doing on Jeopardy this last couple of weeks? Well, it's been impressive, I think, in terms of the style of play and all the theories that are out there. Uh, if you want to get, you know, really economically detailed game theory and that all the expert players have kind of followed that mold in the past. Uh, the key things that he's taken to another level is the fearless betting and also just insane knowledge. So you have to know that you're going to get those questions that are hard, that are 60% right for most people that you're close to 80 or 85%. So it's just all math and numbers, but it starts with uh, you have to know the answers uh, to do anything. Uh, it just hurts that he's an Illinois grad. It probably hurts <laughs> for both of us here. A, a stinger right there, absolutely. He's out there. Also uh, saw him in Vegas last night. He was at the Golden Knights game. So take us behind the curtain a little bit more. I'm always just so intrigued by this. I've tried. I'm not even close to being good enough to be on Jeopardy, but Vinny, when you were there, you know, one of the things that people talk about, you mentioned the game theory behind it, how you use daily doubles, those types of things, but I continue to hear from people that have been on the show, it's more about the clicker than anything. You have to be quick with that finger. Most of these people that are on the show, they know a lot of the answers. It's all about what you do with your thumb. Yeah, I mean, it's, and typically people that can jump around the board and have no problems doing that are quick to know what they're going to wager are going to be quick with making decisions with their trigger finger and also not bet- guessing on wrong answers. If you look at the, mm. the players uh, in the past that have been really good, they don't throw away money on things that they don't know. They don't take wild guesses. They go for the sure things, and, and that helps them uh, get the daily double. And uh, that's the one thing you're not 100% sure about that you have to answer. And, again, if you have a – 80% chance of getting that right, you feel pretty good about betting a lot of money. Well, speaking of sure things, uh, I've I found it very interesting, Vinny, as we segue to the uh, to the NFL draft this coming Thursday. You, your piece uh, late last week, Thursday or Friday, came out, the biggest bust in, in NFL draft history. You know, I went down your list. It just, it just jumps off the page. How soon you forget that these guys, you know, were a high-round draft pick, and where are they now, and they never panned out. Sure, Jamarcus Russell comes to mind right off. Off the bat, and Achilles Smith, and of course uh, Ryan Leaf, um, even Lawrence Phillips. Who do you think overall is the? You know, if you had to anoint one as the NFL draft's biggest bust, is that harder to do than it seems? Or have you identified the guy that you think it is? Well, I think it's Jamarcus Russell, just because of how little he gave to his team, and it was an old school pick and just saying, well, he's a big guy with a big arm. Okay, great. He's going to be in the pocket and do things. But it also came right before you look at it. Uh, I believe the next couple of picks were uh, Matthew Stafford and, and Sam Bradford. And then they went to that rookie contract deal in 2011 when Cam Newton was the number one overall pick. So just the 
the high level of contract at that time, getting paid that much and giving his team so little when getting so much guaranteed money. So when you look at it, it's really going to be hard to top Jamarcus Russell going forward. Ryan Leaf was a pretty close second there, not to, to earlier than that, nine years earlier. So I think it's really hard to top those guys because there's so much hype about them as being can't-miss type quarterbacks for their teams because of physical talents and other things really contributed them to flaming out. In a lot of the cases, the biggest busts are tied to things off the field as well. Mm. You know, Vinny, I saw yesterday at the Sporting News, you guys had, there was a release of the Wonderlick scores from the quarterbacks. At the top of the list, it was oh, like Garden Minshew, I think, was, was up there towards the top, the Washington State quarterback. But with the 20 was Kyler Murray. Do we get too enamored with the Wonderlick? Is it anything that you, as a Jeopardy winner, care about at all? Well, I care about it a little bit because you want to have a guy that can process defenses, but there's mm-hmm. different types of knowledge as well. I think that you want to have some cerebral ability in your quarterback because he's got to process a lot of information in a short time. That doesn't, really, doesn't mean that he has to know logic problems at a fast pace. It's more about can he see the field and throw it. So kind of the vision and ability to process and disseminate information is more important. So that just tells me about the speed. And sometimes with those scores, to me, it's about getting to the next question. So when even if you were 32 out of 50, the key is that you got to all the questions of that where you knew what was going on and you, you get to that point. So I, I don't think you totally weigh everything on that. It's just one small piece and the rest of the package. And, again, the book smarts and the football smarts can be very different. So – you just put a little bit of weight in that, but uh, if there's two guys that are close, you might use that as a tiebreaker mm. there to say this prospect is the one I'd want ahead of this one. Mm. Finney, in in your mind, who is the who's the best player in this draft? Is it Nick Bosa, who you know everybody thinks he's going to be better than his brother Joey, who's a star? Uh, Quinnen Williams from Alabama has just come out of nowhere, and and teams are falling in love with him. Who's the Who's going to be the when we look back at this draft in ten years? Who's going to be the guy everybody's talking about? Well, I think you look at uh, this one. I think it's all the pass rushers, and I really am starting to think the guys we're going to talk about most are the inside guys, and Quinnen Williams and Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver keeps climbing up the boards. I don't know why he ever dropped. To be honest, I mean he was right up there. With Nick Bosa as yeah, number one guy that people were looking number one yeah. very early in this process, I think teams just didn't know what to do with him. Is he a defensive end, defensive tackle? I, I don't care. Those are the types of players that I want on my team. That's also in relation to why Rashawn Gary of Michigan has gone up because he's a guy that can play inside or outside. With these hybrid schemes and wanting to get to the quarterback at all different angles, those guys have a lot of value. I don't say that Nick Bosa is not going to be the best player because he certainly has a lot of talent. But I love these guys that can give you something from multiple positions up front with all these teams. Everyone's trying to figure out what is 3-4-4-3. Well, I think now you're seeing a good chunk of teams where they don't even know. They can change up their fronts from down to down. Arizona holds the cards, pardon the pun there, uh, with the number one pick, of course. <laughs> nice. Josh Rosen still sits there. I saw a report yesterday that the Cardinals still haven't called out two teams and offering up Josh Rosen. If you're a team that is in need of a quarterback, you're a Miami, you're a Denver, you take a shot at Josh Rosen. What do you think of him now as he gets ready for his second year in the league? 
Well, I think Josh Rosen, there's a lot of things to like about him. I don't know if he landed the exact right spot. I mean, it's immediately hard. We've seen this with a whole bunch of different quarterbacks to have an immediate coordinator and coaching change. I mean, coordinators we've seen come and go a lot for that rookie quarterback game in the first round, but this was a sweeping change in Arizona. So that's really hard to read into anything that happened last year. They had so much trouble figuring out the offense, even figuring out how to use David Johnson. They fired Mike McCoy to get Byron Leftwich in there, forcing kind of the Bruce Arian scheme back into the mix. So now they're completely different. So basically you have a guy that's been in three different schemes in such a short period of time. So you didn't really give him a fair shot here and with limited supporting cast as well. So I, I think they hold on to him and there's a competition. I wouldn't rule out Josh Rosen from making some noise here in this particular offense. Hmm. My last thing for you, uh, Vinny, uh, Vinny I from the Sporting News is our guest. You can read them online, sportingnews.com. All the draft stuff uh, is up there with uh, more to come before Thursday. I heard a theory pursuant to Mayock and Gruden sending all of the scouts home, and I wanted to run it by you because on the surface, Vinny, as crazy as it seems, I think it makes sense. And here it is, and I wish I could remember who wrote it or who tweeted it, I would give them credit. But their theory is is they don't know who to trust in that room, and they don't want any leaks coming out of that room. And the reason they're doing so is they want to go make a run at Kyler Murray, and if they're not successful, the last thing they need is their quarterback car finding out that they were running around on him and, and perhaps uh, trying to bring in his replacement and move up and take the one pick. Does that make sense that they send everybody home just to keep it internal between the two of them that they really are not happy with Carr and are t- going to take a run at Kyler Murray? Well, I think you have to keep all the information close to the best as possible because you're not just trying to hide it from people in the room, but hiding it from people outside the building in terms of what you're thinking. The Raiders hold a lot of cards in this draft. When you have three first-round picks, they control a lot of the action and a lot of the way people are thinking here. So. I think John Gruden likes to have trusted people around him. That's been his history. And Mike Mayock, he went after him because he is a guy hand-in-hand where he's going to be kind of uh, his support but also challenge him a little bit, but he's going to trust that challenge. Where I don't think maybe just getting used to the other people in the room, you, you trust everyone right away. So I think that is a pretty good theory to me. I think the Raiders – are pretty intent on nailing this draft. I think they're going to take it a lot smarter than people think here. And I, I really like them uh, kind of making sure it's about those two guys making the final decision. Good stuff, Vinny Iyer. Thank you. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Vinny Iyer, Sporting News, sportingnews.com. Read all about the uh, draft uh, through Vinny's eyes, sportingnews.com. All right, more draft conversation. We're going to... Go inside one of our teams. Today, it's the Green Bay Packers. Your teams. I will never well, consider the Packers one of my teams. I mean the state of Iowa's oh, teams. Not our teams. Our regional team. Regional. We've got four of them. We're lucky that we're in for that very the reason. Green and yellow. My <laughs> team. <laughs> yeah. That'll never sit with a Bears fan. No, no. Uh, we'll talk Packers with Dave Sinekin. Zubin Mahente from ESPN in 20 minutes. Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 K.